I would invite you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and I'd ask that you stand as we read God's word. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, have this to say. It says, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him the kindness, show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? May God bless the reading of his word tonight is my prayer. You may be seated. I've entitled uh, this sermon, The Kindness of God, exactly for the reason in which we just read from the text. And the main point that I would like to get across this evening is this, that in ways that David showed kindness to Mephibosheth, God has shown even greater kindness to us. And I hope to uh, bear that out through uh, the, the message this evening. But just a little bit of background. Uh, much of First and Second Samuel revolves around David and Saul. And in Second Samuel chapter 5, just to get us up to speed, uh, David officially becomes king over Israel. The people relay their confidence in his leadership over that of Saul. Um, and over the next few chapters, before you get to chapter 9, you see a lot of high points. Uh, you see that he relies on the Lord uh, for wisdom when he goes into battle against the Philistines. You see that David has the ark brought back to Jerusalem. You see David desires to build a temple for the ark to be housed in, and God goes on to make a covenant with David in chapter 7, which is an incredible high point. David does experience failure along the way, and he does have many more failures later in the book. However, in between those points, you see a fascinating story of David extending kindness to a man named Mephibosheth, and that's where I want us to spend our time this evening. So just some more background. <clears throat> Jonathan, the son of King Saul and David had made a covenant with each other in 1 Samuel 18. And this covenant they make is the basis for which, God or for which David wants to show kindness to Mephibosheth. And this covenant was made right after David kills Goliath. And David is brought to be a permanent resident in the king's palace. Uh, the Bible puts it this way in 1 Samuel 18, verses 3 and 4. It says, Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. It's rather fascinating, because if you know how, how monumental that was, uh, when Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, his, his bow and his sword, or his belt, I'm sorry, that it was an acknowledgement that the right to the throne belonged to David and no longer belonged to Jonathan after his father would pass. 
And so as the story goes, over the course of time, Saul becomes an enemy of David. And he even tells his son, Jonathan, that he plans to kill him. If you read on in chapter 19, and Jonathan, having loved David and having made this covenant, this vow of friendship with him, defends David to his father. And Saul goes so far to swear not to kill him and then goes back on his own word. So by the time David and Jonathan see each other again, Saul had already attempted to take David's life. So David tells Jonathan what happened and they go on to come up with that plan to ensure David's safety in the future. And it's interesting that in that conversation, David says to Jonathan this. He says, therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant. I want you to know this, that. I want you to catch that. You shall deal kindly with your servant, for, who, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. And so Jonathan and David then go into a nearby field, and Jonathan calls God as his witness, and they reaffirm the covenant it says this in verse 14 of 1 Samuel 20, and you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord, this is Jonathan speaking, while I still live that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the, the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now Jonathan caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as his own soul. When we get back to 2 Samuel chapter 9, and that explains a lot. You see the king's inquiry. Uh, once again, uh, the reading of the text, David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And then in verse three, he puts it this way. Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And a lot of time had passed between those two points, and I'm not exactly sure why uh, or what caused David to remember his covenant uh, some suggest that it was because his kingdom was experiencing a time of peace uh, after David's recent conquest. It could be that God making a covenant with David in 2 Samuel 7 reminded him of his covenant with Jonathan. I think it could be both. I don't think it has to be one or the other. But the phrase itself, the kindness of God, means the mercy and favor of the Lord to undeserving people the mercy and favor of the Lord to undeserving people. And that's why I would say that in ways that David shows kindness to Mephibosheth, God has shown even greater kindness to us. But you'll notice that at the end of verse three, it mentions Mephibosheth's handicap. It says, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. And we first learn of this occurrence in 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4. It tells us that after hearing the news of Saul and Jonathan, his nurse takes him up to flee. And in the process of fleeing, he falls 
And because he falls in the way that he falls, he becomes lame in his feet. And so the king, verse 4, said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Makir, the son of Amiel, and Lodabar. And so verse 4 mentions Mephibosheth's home. You know, Lodabar is not particularly unknown. I, I would say it is rather obscure, or at least it seems that way. But the only person who knew where Mephibosheth was was Ziba. And he was a former servant of Saul. So let's put this all together. That only one person knows where Mephibosheth is, that he is handicapped as the result of an accident from fleeing after news of his grandfather and his father dying. He was staying in someone else's home, someone who we don't know a lot about. And when David sees him face to face later in the chapter, in verse 7, he tells Mephibosheth not to fear. So even though the text doesn't come out and explicitly say it, all signs indicate that Mephibosheth was in hiding. So you go from the king's inquiry to the king's initiative. Uh, king David says this, it, it says, King David sent and brought him out of the house of Mekir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David... He fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. You see, the, the custom of the day would be for any new king to kill all the members of the former king's house. And this was done to, to remove any attempt to reclaim the throne. And Mephibosheth would have known this, and it probably would have crossed his mind every single day. After all, considering the fact that now Saul and Jonathan are dead, according to the old house, who is the next in line to be king? It would be Mephibosheth. However, I would say, given the backstory, he obviously did not know of Jonathan's covenant with David. And if he did know, he was worried that David might not honor it. Or at least that seems to be the case. So on the one hand, you have Mephibosheth, who was absolutely terrified to be in the king's presence. So much so that David has to tell him not to fear. And on the other hand, you have a king who is probably very thankful to fulfill his promise to his former friend. And probably very thankful to meet his son. And then the unthinkable happens. And I, I just love the way that it all plays out in the text. And I would love to be a fly on the wall in that moment. When they finally get to meet. After all of these things have happened. All of these things have occurred. You see the king's instruction. It says, so, so David said to him. Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Man, I cannot imagine the look of relief on Mephibosheth's face. So David not only tells him not to fear, he gives him all of the reasons someone would need 
not to fear. He says, I will show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. He says, I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. He says, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. What's interesting is I was studying and working through the passage. Uh, David would have known firsthand what it would be like to be shown undeserved kindness and to be brought from obscurity into a place of prominence. You see, in 2 Samuel 7, David is reminded by God himself. God says, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And that's not even the half of what God says, but that's a powerful reminder. It goes on to say that David's response to God's covenant with him and his house, that David says this in verse 18, it says, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And here we see David in a place of prominence, able to extend kindness to someone else, even if it is in a lesser degree. And what's also interesting is that David also would have known what it was like to eat at a king's table. He would have known. He would have known what it was like to be shown undeserved kindness at the king's table, not necessarily from King Saul, but if you follow the narrative through 1 Samuel 19 and 1 Samuel 20, there is a time where David is supposed to be at the king's table and he does not go for fear of his life being taken. And guess who defends him at the king's table? It is Jonathan. And I can't help but imagine that when David extends this offer, he thinks of the kindness that Jonathan had showed him at his father's table. And now he is in a place where he can show Jonathan, his son, kindness at his own table. And Mephibosheth's response shows his humility. It says, then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? I cannot imagine being in that position, but it's clear that Mephibosheth responds with feelings of complete unworthiness. What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Have you ever felt too insignificant to be the recipient of a blessing? Ever felt like you didn't deserve a blessing that someone had chose to give you? Not because you did anything at all, but because they, out of the kindness of their heart, chose to give it to you? It's interesting, his humble response is not, by definition, prideful. He, he does not say here that he is glad everyone has come to their senses and he is glad that everyone finally realizes that he should be the rightful heir to what was always his. He doesn't say any of that. He is, he is completely humble. The text goes on to say, and the king called to Ziba, 
Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him. And you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. So Mephibosheth had not only been given a pardon, Mephibosheth had been given provision. And David, knowing that Mephibosheth could not work the land, didn't just give him the land for the sake of kindness and then go about his kingly duty. He went far above that. He gives him servants to work the land for him and to provide food for his family. And the text goes on to say, Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded, his servant, so your servant will do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both of his feet. So not only was Mephibosheth given a pardon, and not only was he given provisions, he was also given a new position. He got to eat at the king's table like one of the king's sons. And I'll say this, that we may think that this story has nothing to do with us simply because we do not belong in a royal uh, bloodline or we do not have rights to a throne or a kingdom. But I hope that we all see ourselves in a lowly way like Mephibosheth saw himself. Because the reality is that one day we will all kneel before a king. And it will not be King David, but it will be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. And like I've said, in ways that David showed kindness to Mephibosheth, God has shown even greater kindness to us. So only because of the kindness of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ have we been extended a greater pardon, a pardon from sin. Have we been extended greater provisions and a greater position and greater privileges. And that shows itself in a few ways as we go back through the text. David took the initiative to reconcile himself to Mephibosheth. Well, spiritually speaking, God is the one who took the initiative to prove his love to us by sending his son to die on the cross, even though we were his enemies. The Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mephibosheth saw himself as a dead dog. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins before Jesus saved us and gave us new life. I want you to read Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 with me. It says, but God who is rich in mercy, means he chose to give us what we do not deserve, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. 
We have a higher position than that of Mephibosheth because we, if we have accepted Christ, the repentant faith are now seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Ephesians 2 goes on to say, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace toward us in Christ Jesus. I think it just keeps getting better. Just as Mephibosheth didn't do any kind of work to merit David's grace and kindness toward him, neither did we to receive God's grace and kindness toward us. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. And just as Mephibosheth was seated at the king's table like one of the king's sons, when we accept Christ, we are spiritually adopted into the family of God. John 1.12 puts it this way. It says, but as many as received him, it's talking about Jesus, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. I love what Romans 8.15 says. It says that we have received the spirit of adoption. So all the way back to where we started, it is true that in ways that David showed kindness to Mephibosheth, God has shown even greater kindness to us. I cannot extend all of this kindness to you. And I promise to you that if I could, I would. But I know who can. And he has done that for me. And he has done that for so many of us here. And he wants to do that for anyone who has not accepted his son, Jesus Christ, as Savior. He wants to, and he can. So as God showed you that kindness, have you accepted Christ and received the pardon from sin? The, the spiritual provision that God equips us with to live a victorious life in Christ. Are you a son or a daughter of God? What a position that is. <laughs> 